0: Hi there, my name is David Thomson, and I'm the Chief Exec of the Food and Drink Federation Scotland. The Food and Drink Federation Scotland is an industry-funded trade association representing food and drink businesses of all sizes, from Scottish family businesses through to global brands. We're a division of the UK Trade Association, the Food and Drink Federation. And in today's podcast, which is the first of our Behind the Business podcasts, I'm talking to James McSween, who is the Managing Director of McSween of Edinburgh, to find out more about haggis making, including the different careers involved. James thank you for joining us you're very welcome pleasure to be here can you tell us a little bit um, to start off about the history of your business
1: yeah so we are a third-generation family business founded in 1953 by my grandfather and um, and we were a butchery business until we left Brunsfield place in in 1996 when we arrived in 1953 to 96 that had only been our only location but um, my grandfather was a butcher in another butchery business before he uh, founded the business. Um, in 1996, we moved to the world's first purpose-built haggis factory out in sunny Lone Heads um, on the outskirts of Edinburgh because the business had, had 10 years prior to that, decided to uh, diversify and move away from red meat sales and butchery sales because supermarkets at that time really affected um, high street traders and, and we were one of those. And, we just, we just couldn't continue to run the business that we had, and, and we thought, well, let's play them at their own game and let's supply them, and, and that's what we did. And we made a decision to enter the, the haggis category and and grow and make a category that meant haggis was eaten 52 weeks of the year, because prior to that, there was only a small amount of haggis being eaten in supermarkets. There was only one brand, which was Halls of Broxburn. Um, it wasn't nationally or available nationally. 52 weeks of the year which was predominantly in Scotland, so there was lots of lots of areas that we were able to penetrate into the market and, and create a bit of a frenzy that we were bringing, bringing a traditional offering to the to the category. We were packing haggis in natural casing. Um, by this stage, halls had, had automated and moved to plastic, so we were doing the, an authentic butcher's haggis in supermarkets, which was a is a great USP and. And it opened lots of doors and and got us listings with um, supermarkets very quickly. Between moving in in 1996 and then picking up Costco and Tesco and and Morrison's and and Safeway and so on, so um, we we had some really early success and wins. So we we took a business from doing 235 tons the year we moved in because we had already established our our credentials for haggis and vegetarian haggis and and black pudding, And, and now we're doing. You know five and a half million pounds a year um across those those same products so yeah a lot of growth over the last 20 something years
0: so james now we get to the family secrets
1: how do you make a haggis well uh that's that's a good question um i can i can tell you a lot about how we make a haggis but i can't tell you everything so haggis haggis for us uh we really only have one one haggis recipe we predominantly use um a lamb and beef based recipe there's there's no defined rules as to what well there is some defined rules but there's nothing not like Stornoway black pudding where it's quite clearly it has to be this this and this with haggis it's traditionally always awful um, most manufacturers either use lamb beef pork um, there'll be an, an element of, of fat in the product to go with the very lean offal because you need to make it moist and succulent There will be a combination of cereals. Some people just use oats. We only use oats Others use a bit of oats and a bit of barley. So, you know, there's there is quite a bit of flexibility and then there's a, and there's a blend of seasonings and um, we use we use some peppers and some other aromatic seasonings which um our recipe has virtually been unchanged for nearly 70 years we've only ever changed it once and that was after the, the food critic Derek Cooper gave my dad some feedback um, in the early or the late probably the late 80s actually um, and that's the only time we have really changed it we've changed the shape of it um, when we rebranded um, our products and created the delicious everyday range in 2014 to to make it um, more uniform which aided automation but it also probably made it more looking like a, a, a salami so you know haggis you could say is scottish charcuterie um, but in essence it's, it's minced off all fat oatmeal onion seasoning and spices either into a plastic casing which most manufacturers do 52 weeks of the year but we also have a large chunk of our business is, is haggis still in the traditional casings and and we make a range from a serves two to a serves 16 um all in in natural um, beef casing
0: there's um a lot that goes into every haggis and, and I guess every haggis from, from a different manufacturer is is, is different as well so
1: yeah. Um, always... well yeah um yeah and, and and you've you've obviously had an insight into that because you've had the um, pleasure of coming to see um, you know how we how we do our magic. So from a haggis perspective, you know, that's it's a very old dish It's a it's a worldwide dish. It, it's it we call it haggis and we recognize it as haggis in Scotland But it it is in it. It is an international foodstuff and um, Not that it's called haggis, you know, if you go to Iceland, you, you would probably ass- Assimilate that uh, slow tour is the Icelandic haggis or if you went to Brazil theirs is more like a stew and I would consider that our a, a a poor or a, a poor man's fajuada is probably the equivalent of a, a haggis. Um Poland of a sausage which is a bit like haggis and black pudding called kushanka. Um, so there's there is sausage or pudding products um like haggis around the world. But haggis is is famous in Scotland because of Robert Burns. It, it was talked about in a cookbook back in the time of King Richard II where um, there was a, a haggis-style recipe in this cookbook. It's probably a bit more like a sausage as well at the same time, if I'm being honest. But, you know, if, if Burns hadn't written about the humble haggis and Shakespeare had beaten us to it, you know, haggis could have been English.
0: That is the, that is the thought. So can you talk a little bit, you mentioned Robert Burns, the, the Scotland's national poet. Can you, uh, and obviously his uh, Burns Day uh, is, is very, very important to you as a business. Can you talk a little bit uh, about the seasonal times of year? And how they impact on you?
1: Yeah, so um, that's that's a great question. So, typically, um, haggis is, is, is a w- more of a winter warmer dish. It's it's typically eaten in the colder months of the year. Um, these days, haggis is eaten 52 weeks of the year, but November, December and January, we, we do about half our turnover. And in the month of January, where every man and his dog eats haggis, uh, we do 30% of our annual turnover in in that month. And when I say that month, that actually, you, by the time you come back after we're back to work on the second. Um, it all has to be in store and um you know bought and sold if you know what i mean by the, the 25th for people to have it um on burns night um so it's a it's a really intensive 20-ish days of of delivering hundreds and hundreds of tons of haggis um into uh, supermarkets food service and and wholesale so you know we a bit like a, a documentary i walked watched on the, the, the London Marathon the day after the London Marathon they start getting ready for the next London Marathon and, and we do start getting ready for burns and talking about the next burns very quickly after after a burns because once you've had burns you are then back in to see your your supermarket customers to talk about a burns wash-up you know how was burns for you this is how your category performed despite what promotional plans and and what other competitors are doing in the marketplace you, you know you're wanting to try and get that feedback from them and also tell them about your plans for next burns and this worked well, but I think we could do this next year so you know its it, it, it it's an a, a year round process of getting ready for burns but um haggis is on average eaten two point seven times a year so it, it goes to show um despite all the haggis that's made by myself and the other manufacturers out there, it's very focused over those three months of November, December and January.
0: Never thought about it before, the haggis marathon, which uh, leading up to Burns. Talking about uh, the amount of times people use haggis, and of course, we all, we're all aware of the traditional um, uh, neeps and patties, uh, turnips and potatoes, for those not of a Scottish disposition uh, listening, uh, that go with a, with a haggis. Are there other ways that people uh, can conserve haggis and eat haggis?
1: Oh, hundreds hundreds so many my sister even wrote a book about it called the haggis Bible where even in her book there was 50 ways to have haggis Um so there's literally a way to have haggis for every every week of the year um, assuming that you have it twice with neeps and tatties in in burns you know when when you consider it as a pre spiced minced um, protein anything that you can make with mince you could in essence make with make with haggis so even from spaghetti bolognese to lasagna to um, putting in a potato top pie um having it with nachos drizzled over a margarita pizza and stuffed into peppers um, with eggs on toast in a frittata omelette you know you name it um, it's it's incredibly versatile and and whether it's haggis vegetarian haggis or black pudding you know the the products lend themselves to being used in that kind of fusion foods and and are they work well with with lots of other flavors you know naturals is is one of our household favorites Um, and even my sons and i predominantly have more haggis with baked beans on toast than really any other way Um, or melted with cheese and a a bit of uh, mango chutney is um is one of my favorites as well so yeah just try it. it it's just about being creative and we we spend you know significant of money on marketing and using social media to to show the convenience of haggis so whether it's recipes on our website or little um pop-up videos on our social media channels it, it shows the versatility of the product and and it's a very affordable and sustainable dish you know i appreciate this haggis in the supermarkets and butchers all sold at different price points but for what you're paying for you're getting a, a really satisfying and filling meal for for not an awful lot amount of money um, and you know haggis is one of these recession-proof foods that um, you know despite how little or how much money you have in your pocket you know it's 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 very affordable and, and very satisfying
0: Excellent. and people can where can people follow you on social media James
1: we are on we're on the main three channels um, Instagram Facebook and and Twitter um, we predominantly use our Instagram channel just for for food and recipes um, and then we, we do other things on the other channels so we, we try to have a diverse um, social media um, profile and then we've obviously got a website you can also buy online on our website and um, for those that are in geographical regions where some supermarkets don't reach
0: so you've mentioned a couple of times vegetarian haggis james can you tell us a little bit about what made you create vegetarian haggis um and uh, you know how how popular is that
1: that i love that question um it was it was started it was a customer request so my dad had a customer who was also the curator of the scottish ports library um and she came into the shop one time to say to my dad, "Oh, I'm, I'm having this opening of the the new Scotch Sports Library, um and would like to have some haggis at it. But I also like a vegetarian haggis, John." And my dad was kind of scratching his head, going, "What the hell is a vegetarian haggis?" Yeah, I've got lots of friends, and some of my family are are vegetarian, so you know, we really appreciate you could do something for us. My dad was never one to refuse a challenge, and and he was very customer centric. You know, he was he loved the interaction with customers you know being a butcher all his life it was about what we do for the customer what we can do for the customer um and it's and you know it, it's one part of the job that i love the most is when you meet people that love our haggis whether it's somebody at an exhibition or a show or even a taxi driver and they go oh i haggis love it love it so dad went set himself the task of formulating vegetarian haggis and he cobbled something together that was was very presentable and tasty for the opening of the library and there's a picture in our boardroom of him handing over a cheque um, and a picture of this warm steaming vegetarian haggis which he couldn't find a casing big enough to put the haggis in and, and, um, and if you really get to the, the roots of haggis, haggis is the stuff that's inside, it's not necessarily what you put it in. You could put haggis in a top hat, it'd still be a, a haggis. So he, he used a sheep's stomach, um, which was a very traditional casing um, and served um, or preserved for as ceremonial haggis. So there's this vegan haggis that's in a sheep's stomach and it went down a storm and, you know, as usual, the haggis got as much press as the opening of the library and um, he made a contribution to the library and, and it all went quiet after that. And then you started getting letters from people going, I read about this vegetarian haggis, where can I buy it? And my dad, being a natural entrepreneur, thought, right, there's a product in this. And he set himself the task of now commercially making this product, because making one is easy, but then to try and make it to fit a manufacturing process that the the idea is going to be as good as the, the finished result, which is, is, a, is a challenge in, in manufacturing when you're um, producing large you know industrial quantities of product but you know he got there and all that summer so the, the library opened in the, the spring and by the autumn he'd launched the product we ate a lot of vegetarian haggis and some of them were awful truly awful um, and he was he was battling with what it was that was kind of going to bring all these ingredients together and he, he then established it was the fat um, and my dad had always been a, a believer that food tastes good for two reasons it's either fat or sugar um, and once he could understand what fat he had to use to to bring it all together he knew he was he was going to nail it so he brought this haggis home this day this vegetarian haggis and we were oh dad that, that is by far the best he went right i've cracked it um i said well what is it he says well that one's got beef fat and it. it doesn't taste it tastes amazing doesn't it he went, as long as I can get a fat that I can simulate beef fat, we we'll, we'll want to watch. So he then stumbled upon a cake margarine um, and, you know, the rest is history. So we were the, you know, the world's first commercially available vegetarian haggis. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's about 20, 25 percent of our sales. Um, we've always been vegan and vegetarian from day one. You know, other manufacturers weren't necessarily... Um, vegan from day one we're now RSPO so yes we we do use cake margarine and it does have palm in it but our our palm oil is RSPO so you know we're we're doing the very best we can to be a responsible manufacturer but like like our haggis our vegetarian haggis hasn't changed um, since 19 well that's not true we took the nuts out of it I must must correct myself yes we took the nuts out because it did have nuts but we replaced them with sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds so ultimately i think it's now a a better product but you know and products have to evolve to to be fit for you know the generation that we're living with and and nuts was one of the things that had to come out
0: that's fantastic so obviously um you talked earlier about lots of countries that have their own version of haggis. yeah Um, surely though The McSween haggis wants to conquer the globe so can you tell us a little bit about some of the other countries where um uh, you sell haggis to and and and, you know some of your aspirations
1: we yes um i guess as, as a business we've we've we have a history of exporting um you know in the in the days where meat regulations were far more relaxed it was an awful lot easier in a bygone era to to export you know we used to get telephone calls from the the Hong Kong Caledonian Society and the the Singaporean St Andrew Society and the somewhere else Burns Society. Oh, we'd like you to send us some haggis. We've spoken to British Airways or British Caledonian. You know they'll they're sponsoring. They'll fly it out for you. So for years we were sending haggis to the four corners of the world unofficially, and they would. Oh, while you're at it, could you get some turnips and and maybe chuck in some oatcakes? And we were ending up doing this bespoke delivery service and. it it, it was it was a fantastic time and then you know the world grew up and went hold on a minute you can't do any of this um so a lot of exports kind of stopped overnight america canada you know singapore the markets that we're, we're now in but for the last for the last 20 years we've been still supplying the continent because exports to the continent are are easier The United Attirements is is an emerging market and we supply some supermarket chains out there um, because of the big expat contingency. Um, More recently, we we broke into Singapore in in 2017. Um, The same year we broke into Singapore, we opened up Canada. And then earlier this year, um, we got into the United States, um, albeit with um, the, the internationalized vegetarian haggis, which we now call Scottish Veggie Crumble for America it's only a matter of time it's what i get keep getting told from the scottish government about how we'll get haggis proper meat haggis into into america but both um all the the other countries uae europe um canada and singapore they're all buying um, a form of meat haggis it's it's had to be reformulated to to take the beef out of it but you just you need to be you need to make sure that you're making the right product for the right market and complying with the the regulations of the country you're looking to import in but it's not important it's not impossible but you know we we are flying the flag for haggis and the scotch food and drink industry Um, and I think getting haggis out there and and satisfying the, the diaspora you know there's there's more scottish canadians in canada than there is scots in scotland by about 100,000 people so there's a there is a there is a potentially a big market out there and and we've set our sights on, on trying to satisfy that need
0: so thanks thanks james um I, i'm going to uh, go into a bit more about some of the business uh, aspects of, of, of your role and, and and your company as well and some of the questions so firstly um talking about yourself what is your role um and what does it involve
1: okay well i'm 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 the managing director so i'm i'm ultimately responsible for for everything that happens in the business um managing director also being the food business operator i'm i'm the the, the primary person in the business that takes responsible for sales marketing technical um operations and and either i do some of those roles myself or i've got other people in the business that support me Being in a family business, I've I've worked my way up from from the grassroots, I've almost done every job in the whole business because that was the kind of management training course that um, my old man thought was appropriate and it stood me in good stead and we have a philosophy that I'm I'm not going to ask staff to do something I'm not prepared to do myself. These days I I manage quite a small team, I've got an operations director and a a finance director, but I also manage the, the commercial element of the business. I'm also um, managing um, new product development and, you know, it's 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 quite a, a varied and wide, wide role. Um, you know, we're not, we may be perceived as a big business. There's only there's only 50 of us in the business. Um, you know, when you're in your when you become a kind of bigger brand and a well-recognized name, they just assume that you've got manufacturing facilities up and down the country. But um, we have, you know, a site and loan head, which um, works for us. And enables us to to produce um the volume and quality of haggis that we, that we produce um on a day-to-day basis what's the best thing about your job an endless supply of free haggis um <laughs> i i've i've never got tired of eating eating our product you know i i eat a lot of haggis uh, you know I'll, I'll be honest i eat a lot of our competitors haggis because that's our job to make sure that we're understanding what our competitors are doing and um, what the benchmark looks like. Um, and when we do range reviews to our customers, you know, we we are flagging um, the, the positives and negatives in our products and in and in our competitors. That's that's just all a part of business. Um, but I've never got tired of eating haggis. I love I love um, being involved in a in a business that makes Scotland's national dish. I'm fiercely proud of of saying that you know i'm I make Scotland's national dish um and to have that you know haggis makers my occupation um is something that's um I get great satisfaction from um, and that that's on a, on a personal level but the other the other thing I really enjoy about my job is like I said earlier is meeting people that like my products when you when you meet a a real McSween haggis fanatic um it, it, it's such a pleasure because. Sometimes consumers don't appreciate that we're a third-generation family business. They may not think there's even family in the business. And the, the majority of the Scottish business sector is made up of family businesses. If you put all the family businesses in the UK at, and that GDP as a country, we would be the 250th most wealthiest country in the world. You know, the, the backbone of British industry is is run by family businesses. So making that connection with consumers is is always really important because they may have forgotten that we were a family business so loving the product and and meeting people um and also traveling internationally and and you know going out and selling and and engaging with uh, with um buyers is is the things that uh, I enjoy the most about my job
0: and just a wee snippet here when you do travel you do travel in your kilt don't you
1: I always take my kilt I was actually on a a webinar with the um north american scottish business council um and then somebody asked me you know what one of the things you advise on exports is well you've got kill kilt, packet. um not only will it start conversations it also opens doors especially when you're traveling in, in north america guy in a kilt people will just come and speak to you and you know i've had conversations and and it's actually led to business opportunities so um it's i think it's one of the one of the tricks of the trade or one of the the tools in my toolbox um I, I pack my kilt, I wear my kilt. I will stand in exhibitions and, and demos, you know, uh, wearing my kilt. I think it's it, it's it's something that I think a lot of people in the industry have come to expect, oh there's James in his kilt. Um <laughs> so it, it's 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 I don't I don't have a suit. Well I, I do have a suit, but it, it's only for funerals, but um I I typically wear my kilt and I get great pleasure from wearing my kilt. So what do you think, though, is the most challenging part of your job? The most challenging part? um, I think it's about making sure you have a business that is always evolving and um, being um, agile enough to cope with a moving landscape. Um, The food and drink industry, to an extent, is recession-proof. You know, food especially, you know, people are always going to want to need to eat. But when you're faced with world pandemics, um, when you're faced with rising raw material prices and, and utility costs, you you have to make sure that you've got a business that can that can you know cope with these with these challenges and and you know with being a family business, I, 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 my my aspiration is that this business will become 100 years old. So we've got a, a way to go to get to 2053. But you know, and I've got I've got. Kids and I've got uh, nie- nieces that you know potentially uh, might want to join the business at a later stage. But my job now is to make sure that when I leave, I've left the business better than I found it. Um, and you know that was my, my dad's philosophy. So it's, it's my job to make sure that we've, we're we match fit um, for whatever gets thrown at us.
0: That's right. And haggis is a great way to make sure eating haggis is a great way to make sure you're match fit.
1: Very nutritious.
0: Yes. <laughs> So thinking about the, the wider team what um, other important roles are involved in Luxreen you talked about your finance director and your operations director so what what are important roles in running luxreen and what skills are required to do these types of jobs
1: well there's 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 a variety of 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 jobs within a manufacturing business you know we've touched on we need we need people that are good with numbers we need people that can make sure that our 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 financial numbers are Um, Telling us what we need to know we're making enough profit. We're you know our our sales numbers We're reporting on the margin that we're making and and, uh, presenting those numbers to to the board and the bank so Finance people are are essential But then there's also the 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 customer analytic perspective that you're looking at the numbers to then hopefully tell you a story that you can then feed back to um, supermarket buyers and customers so you need somebody that is is also good with numbers but in a slightly different way and then they can help shape presentations to to buyers Um, we've got people that develop products so you know creative people but also people that are good at process and following rules and making safe products that understand the the requirements of how to make um, safe food that from a from a hygiene perspective but from a process perspective um, and also from a kind of food safety perspective that we make safe and um, satisfying foods at the same time. We've then got salespeople who go out and sell, whether it's selling to the national supermarkets or it's wholesale or food service or export or business to business or contract manufacturing. So some of the people that's um sell is absolutely essential because there's no point having great products if, if if nobody's buying them. The other aspect of of, of that side of the role is, is marketing. We've talked touched on social media you know i i manage the, the social media and um, it's in, in my business it's not something that we do ourselves we, we did it initially but then when you get to a mass that you either you either build a bigger team or you outsource it to people that are through and through social media experts but you, you need somebody that is it's got these ideas and and will get a plan of what our social media needs to look like but there, there's that on one side and then you've got public relations um, you've also got um, the bringing the consumer and customer insights back into the business which then gets fed back into NPD to then start looking at the next iteration of NPD You've also got you've got factory workers that you know are, are the backbone of this business because without them I wouldn't be where I am right now um, And I, I tell my team that on at every town hall that without you guys um, I wouldn't be able to, to do my job um, but within the factory workers, you've got haggis makers, you've got, you've got supervisors, you've got managers, you've got line leaders, you've got team leaders. There's there's lots of skill in managing people and making sure that they are they are fulfilling their tasks within the manufacturing business. And managing people is you know is a, is a skill in itself. Um, and typically, it's where people meet a process that. Um, is sometimes where the, the the greatest challenges are in in any business. But then there's there's specialist roles within that. You've got people that look at the logistics. You've got people that um, make sure your inflowing stock and your outflowing goods are happening on time and in full. Because these days, you know, you're 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 only as good as your um, your on time and in full score. Um, so there's there's a multitude of of um, different people doing different jobs. You've got the technical team who they'll manage quality. They'll manage your technical process. They'll, they'll make sure that ultimately they are the kind of the architects of our food and product safety. And, and without them, you know, no business um, even has a, a foundation to, to work from. And then, you know, they're, they're verging on being scientists in, in their own right. And we've got a laboratory where we do lots of tests to make sure our food's safe. So you've, you've even got scientists, chemists, even um, in, a, in a food business that only makes haggis. You know, all these people and all the skill is, is is quite incredible. And I think it's it's so easy for the younger generation to just see a haggis pop out, but you know, there's there's a lot of complexity to, to getting a product to market, um, even bringing a new product to market. All the all the individual teams that have to get pulled at the right time to to, from development to um, factory trials to pre-productions to full-blown trials to, you know, a launch is 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 um, is is a lot of work and and we need um, conductors within the business and that's what I see myself as and my finance director and my operations director we we try and conduct all these people and and pull all these skills at the right time um, to to make sure there's Enough haggis in the supermarket shelves on on any particular day.
0: And how many people did you say worked for uh, for the business, James? Fifty. 50? Fifty. Uh, and, and all those uh, and all those different skills and roles uh, within just those fifty people.
1: Yeah, wow. I know it's incredible. You look at bigger businesses; they have they have teams of technical people and and teams of of QAs and and, and the, the, the biggest the business gets bigger, you just need more and more people doing more and more of it.
0: So talking about all those all those roles, and if anyone listening is interested in in working at McSweeney or in the wider food and drink industry, what what kind of advice would you give them?
1: Good question. I you know my son my son is in his early teens and and he thinks he knows what he wants to be and and I think if, and I think he's in a very luxurious position that I think he knows what he wants to be and if you know and I was I was speaking to my elder sister who's a doctor and she said oh I I knew when I was in junior school i wanted to be a doctor and if you can if you can grasp what you want to do when you're at that age then you can really roadmap your own future and know what subjects you need to learn and what grades you need to get to to get to university to you know if you want to be a food technologist or a technical manager or an operations manager you know the sooner you can realize what you want so much the better the food industry is is the jobs within the food industry are so wide that you may want to just join a food and drink business. And like I said, it's in the main they're recession-proof, um, which in these times, certainly through a pandemic and potentially the recession that they're talking about, we're going to have coming our way, is is a good thing. Once you're in a food business, there's, you can always take a step sideways to the left or the right and and move into a slightly different different thing. You may be good at logistics and you like the the pace that logistics work at, but you're only seeing stuff going out the door. But maybe you want to look at inbound or get into buying because you've you've been really good at procuring transport contracts. That actually, I'm actually quite a good buyer. I think I could look at a buying job. You know, there's 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 so many um, tunes you can on you can play within within a food job or within a food business.
0: You've mentioned a couple of times the, the, the times we're in now with the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact that's had and the, you know, the tough times, the wider economy is going through. What kind of support and help do you as a business need uh, in order to kind of thrive and continue to be resilient?
1: Good question. I think having having an organization like the Food and Drink Federation um, that has been able to give us very clear and definitive advice as to, you know, this is the science. This is the advice we're giving you. You know, you reaching back out to the industry and saying, listen, there's a questionnaire on COVID. Can you, can you let us know what you're thinking? We, we, we haven't got the ability to bring all that knowledge to us. By ourselves so why when having an organization like yourselves you know you're 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 giving us the advice that we then then we then act on and and the beauty with it being yourselves it's 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 regular it's consistent um, and it's and it's clear and this has enabled us to to protect our business our workforce and make the right decisions as to how to deal with the the COVID-19 situation you know the the advice on whether to wear or not wear masks in the workplace. That that has that has paralysed, I think, a lot of conversations. And and certainly we've had some quite robust arguments with other businesses about the advice that they've got and 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 we've had. Um, and that's just a, a very small point in a in a in a huge world pandemic. So I I recognise that. You know, you guys have brought a tremendous amount of of skill to to us, and and you've you've looked after us in in a, in a roundabout way. So, you know, having having a a good body to to work with is, I think, in my opinion, is essential.
0: That's very kind, James. That's very kind. So we're wrapping up now, uh, but looking to the future, and and uh, despite the threat of a recession, um, what do you see as uh, the next step for McSween? What opportunities can you see ahead of you?
1: Getting back onto an even keel is is the first thing that we need to look at. Um, The last few months have been difficult, you know, we work in lots of sectors. Some sectors have been hit really badly by COVID, wholesale and and food service. So, you know, getting those accounts back to to out of intensive care um, and back onto an even keel is, is paramount, but, you know, we're beholden to the unlocking of the UK being done in, in a responsible manner we had aspirations to try and launch new products this year that's been hampered so you know we're having to recognize that you know this work this year has been exceptional but as a business you know making sure that we're still delivering tasty affordable foods um, every day that, that satisfy and, and, and people get excited about and introducing them to new ways of having haggis or introducing them to products that we make that they've never tried before um, is, is something that's important to us and as a business constantly evolving and making sure that we, we are bringing the best and most appropriate products to market for, for the the newest generation of haggis consumer because um, haggis is a very traditional food but we need we need the the young bloods of of today um, wanting to eat Scotland's national dish because I don't take it for granted that just because you're Scottish you're going to eat haggis um it's about having a haggis that people want to eat, and and being as, and continually having those associations with Scotland's national dish, and, and making sure that we continue to to celebrate um, our Scottishness and and our love of haggis and Burns is is equally important. That uh, we don't forget Scotland's national bard, because you know there are there are other countries in the world that celebrate the works of Burns far more than we do in Scotland, um, and maybe we should make more about um, Robert Burns.
0: A challenge a challenge for all Scots then. That's a yeah. fantastic way to the end. Listen, thank you very much, James. That's been an exceptionally insightful uh, uh insight into what goes on behind the business at McSoon Haggis. So really grateful for your your time and, and your openness with us.
1: it's a Pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed um <laughs> this conversation. This has been a, a real treat for me because I, I love I love talking about my business and haggis and and um you know the, the the histories of haggis and it, it, it's something that as my dad once said to me he says you were born for this job um, <laughs> and um yeah I, some, I sometimes think that um i think him and my mum schemed uh, um for this to happen but um no thank you very much i enjoyed um being asked and it's been a lot of fun so thank you
0: brilliant thank you Thanks for listening to this podcast from FDF Scotland. You can find out more about our work and if you're a food and drink business, how to join us at www.fdfscotland.org.uk.